All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Moderate Majority with James and Zach and season two and our kickoff episode one, a little taste of things to come and swallowing some shit we've already been fed. How you doing, big guy? <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, I'm good. I'm sick. If you can't um, tell by my voice. Yeah, we're, we're doing this via phone for a specific reason. I got dusted with Omicron. No! No! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zach and I were both uh, super Dodgers until um, until about five, six days ago. And uh, yeah, yeah, got uh, got the experience, the, uh, you know, the pandemic uh, firsthand. It was uh, it was pretty sweet. I'm still not completely over it. Um, as you could probably tell by my voice, but, uh, you know, it wasn't as bad as, uh, you know, as it could have been because I was vaccinated and boosted. Um, and the government, you know, was able to track every one of my moves, um, because I was, so, you know, everything was taken care of. That's, that's all fine and dandy dude, but I'm, I'm concerned about what we do now about our matching tattoos that were oh. in the tra- that were in the tramp stamp area, right above our asses that were in the shape <laughs> of Superman's Super- chest decal. It says super Dodgers, SD Super Dodgers, because uh, one, of, one of us was a pretender, and now now those tattoos are it's I just it's, it's a it's a lie. It's, we're not gonna. I'm, hey, listen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you, Zach. I lied to you a long time ago. That I I put a fake tattoo on when you got the real deal. Ooh, so yeah, I knew, I knew oh. one, of was, one of us was gonna go down. I just I, I had a feeling it was gonna be me, just in terms of like my my work and what I do for a living, um, you know, being out there and, and because <laughs> I'm not surrounded by naughty kids on the daily. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, but listen, I mean, and I'm not saying that, you know, you're not going to be exposed. I just had a feeling like, like, I mean, I've told you guys before, like I see more people in a day than most people see in probably a month. That's you know true. What I mean? That's true. So, you know, I, and I, can't, yeah. I can't control, like, you know, I'm not in a setting where, if a snotty kid is snotty, like, hey, get the F out of here. I'm not saying that that's what you guys do. It's just, you know what I mean? Like, general public, pretty scummy. No, no yeah, no, we but, do. We the, yeah. the kids, if the kids show up and they even sneeze, uh, we You're put wrong. them in the rack. And then they hang <laughs> they hang from one of those, like, chain cages on the outside of the parking lot off campus grounds. So yeah. our parents come by and climb up there and pull them out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like all of, like, you know, Willow slash yeah. Oliver Twist. Yeah, they look like they, Yeah. Okay, let's be honest. Most of them wish they looked as good as Val Kilmer with long, flowing brown hair. <laughs> hey, I'm really excited about that show, though. I got to be honest. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. It's come. They, 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 we're, in back. The era where they, we're in the era where they redo everything, my friend. Yeah, and I'm actually excited about that because I mean, you kind of wanted to explore the world a little bit more when you were a kid. That's true. You know? That's true. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a very cool world. I mean, speaking of the world, I mean, have you been watching any of the new uh, Game of Thrones or uh, Lord I, of the I, Rings? I watched- I watched I watched the first episode of Game of Thrones and then I was like, do I really want to do this again? And I answered mm-hmm. to myself, no, I don't. <laughs> so I didn't watch anything else. <laughs> I realized how much the last the, the last three or four episodes of the last season screwed me over. Uh, if, they, if they would have just stopped that sh- series and the last episode would have been the Battle of Winterfell, that would have been mm-hmm. one of the most epic, epic series ever to grace TV screens across the world. But they, you know, you know, you and I differ on this. I, I dislike that show immensely, immensely. Uh, I'm not, a, yeah. So, but, I'm not but, a big GRR uh, fan. I, I listen, man. If I'm, if I'm going high fantasy, or fantasy at all, I'm going Tolkien. You know, well, yeah. And and dude, the Lord of the Rings has been fucking epic, just epic. Great, yeah. I mean, I've had to do like homework to understand that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're all you're always looking at people and you're like, oh, first I gotta go read the Similarian or whatever it's called. Yeah, who's the Numerians or whatever that island nation? I never even heard of that. And so yeah. I'm actually um listening to, and I I know, I mean I'm a big reader, but I decided to listen to Nerd the uh the whole trilogy again and um it's actually pretty cool because it's like, you know, I'm I'm not really into the whole books on tape. Not that that's a thing anymore, but that's you know the audio books, I guess you could say. But um, uh, someone suggested that I do this for Tolkien, and I was like, well, let me check it out. And it's actually pretty cool. It's like it's kind of like very campfireish storytelling, you know, just the way that he wrote it. And uh, yeah, so I've had to I've had to actually do homework to understand. Like my my wife and I are sitting there watching the Lord of the Rings, and we're like, 
She's like, so, so when is this in comparison to the, sh- the, the movies? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. And she's like, so who's this person? I mean, in comparison to the movies, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Um, just, just tell her, just, I, just I tell, have her no it, tell her it's the, like when the very first movie starts out and when they did the original trilogy and it shows the battle at the beginning against Sauron, it's like the lead up, up to that point. Like when they yeah, talk about like it's enough time gone by. Age. It's still the second age, right? Oh man, I'm, I'm the, not that. The first I'm not, age, I'm, yeah. I, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I think it's the second age. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, not think super, I'm not super versed in it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 actually gone to you know I've I've read the you know some of the some of the backstories on some of the other books that he's written that kind of help out understanding the time frame of Middle Earth and. I'm like, dude, I, I don't want to do this anymore. But I, I got COVID, so what else am I supposed to do? You yeah, know I, mean? I mean, we're we're on a podcast, bro. So I don't want to say something about, uh, you know, Tolkien that's incorrect, and then have you know that one of the three people that listen to this show, you know, is a bro. huge Tolkien fan, and then tries to stalk me and like take me down. I already said I didn't like Game of Thrones, dude. They're done. They're gone. They're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of three people that listen to this show, so. Okay, we 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 our last episode uh, of the first season was like on August fourth, so and we didn't intend to take this much time off because it's is it October fifth today? I think it is. Um, we didn't we didn't intend to take two full months off. We were actually going to kick this thing into gear like three or four weeks ago, but it, it it whatever it is what it is. Things came up. We were resting and relaxing. The all the 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 deep dives that we did. Uh, leading up to that or through that first season it took its toll on us emotionally and physically and mentally and emotionally um but but we do have to say there has been we don't know who you are or maybe who 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 some of you are but somebody out there in the world and we suspect internationally has is either like in a community that talks about podcasts or listens to podcasts and then talks about it I don't, I don't know. Cause I'm not in any of those communities. I'm just on a podcast. Uh, and, 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 a, and a not decent That's the largest one. community community out there. Actually. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say in a not decent <laughs> one at that, but, um, but, but somebody out there is, is sharing a link to our podcast because in the last four days, <laughs> hold on to your pants and glasses, kids. Uh, the last four days, five days, sorry, last five days, 62 different people have listened to our podcast. <laughs> I mean, it is, that's, that's an Most insane of amount of people over five days for us. Well, I not, realize we realize that's small time still for Joe Rogan and the likes of uh, those types of podcast giants. But sixty-two people in the last five days listening to you and me talk about what we're talking about—that uh, that's crazy, bro. Yeah, we're big in Europe, like Hasselhoff. Yeah, yeah, twenty-six percent of our listeners now come from Europe. I mean, like we're talking about yeah. Portugal, Belgium, India. We got the Finns, the Danes. I mean, it's all most a lot of Europe. But anyway. For those of you listening to us, thanks guys. Ba- yeah, yeah. Thanks so much. We're back, baby. And when James and I were talking about this before we started doing uh, this this first short episode, and it is, we're hoping to keep it under forty minutes for you guys. Uh, we were saying that, James, or James was telling me that he found out from somebody who actually knows how podcasts work that if you rate the podcast on whatever app you're using, um, or if you're on a web browser, or whatnot. Then, you know, if you think it's good, if you're enjoying yourselves, if you find us humorous and hilarious, but you also think that, you know, we're, we, we are taking our time digging into facts and, and, and analyzing that stuff well and, and throwing some decent questions uh, so that you can pontificate uh, and think on this stuff, uh, give us five stars because apparently that helps get it out there, too. And, uh, you know, then we might be surprised because one day there might be like 85 people listening in a week and I'm going to be like, what the fuck is going on? This is you're out, of your, you're out of your goddamn mind. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy people Jimmy. listening to this, you are out of your fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, this, that's, that's not going to help, man. We don't, we can't drive them away. Oh man. yeah. Please, like, go- please listen to us. I love you guys. <laughs> well, all of your friends, all of your three friends, because you're lonely and you're listening to this fucking podcast. <laughs> joking, joking. I'm, I'm a little surly. The COVID's got me all surly. Yeah, he's, he's 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 bitter that he's still alive and he's just clinging to life. Can't taste shit. <laughs> Literally, can't taste. Oh, shit. I'm sure I can taste a little bit. He tried. He tried it. He tried it out just to make sure that his taste buds weren't working. Put an actual piece of shit in his mouth and he couldn't taste it. Oh, and then he and then he got dysentery. You know, he got dysentery. You lose your taste so bad. 
you do lose your taste so bad that that's true i could eat of like a fried turd and probably not even not even have noticed we like, should probably well, we should, great whatever this is we should probably change the subject because gubor just popped twice up there i think he's getting super yeah. excited yeah. and i'm so, all alone in here so here's the thing. The, world, the world has changed since last we spoke my friend yeah the world uh, has changed as you as you mentioned before we 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 left you um Fairly dejected, emotionally damaged uh, people. State of play uh, number two. Yeah, realizing that the that the world was not not going in the direction, or even being nudged in the right direction. Um, and what I mean by right direction is not you know the typical left right you know scenario. It's just you know um, old uh, things like old tropes that we held you know pretty dear in the United States, like democracy, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, um, you know, agency over your own body. These are things that when we left you were under attack and we don't want to, you know, delude you at all. They're still very much under attack, but the reason why Zach and I were so emotionally damaged because of the long season that we did was because we did deep dives on numbers on like, you know, what is important for, for, for the, the American voter, the American people and, and how they were getting their news. How were they interpreting the news, how they pretty much our fellow citizens were looking at, the world around them and it, it zach i'll let you take it from here on my and my perspective it didn't look so well for us so how we started the show which was almost like what is it almost a year prior to that and yeah, how we I, ended it was like uh pretty much the same thing yeah i mean that's why we had our first pilot episode was state of play and our, our final episode of the year was state of play part two and there wasn't a hell of a whole lot of movement in terms of where people were at. And like you said, yeah, I mean, I think we were out by your truck after we recorded it. And mm-hmm. there was just F-bombs was pretty much every other word. I think there was maybe and, it, and the in between just F-bombs. Yeah. Um, somehow, yeah. in speaking in F-bomb tongues, we were able to, to understand each other. It was like our own It was like our own language for like about 15 minutes. Yeah. You're like, and I then, think we're going to be back on the date. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, then James got into his truck and sped up at 80 miles per hour and drove straight into a telephone pole kind of like that kind of like that one scene in the happening uh, <laughs> I, had, I had to go pick up his body that got ejected through the front windshield oh, <laughs> and he he reached over with what strength he had before he passed out and handed me a piece of shark he goes want want to and i was like no <laughs> yes but no man no it's not over yet so anyway uh that didn't really happen obviously but um yeah i mean in the last two months, and, and we talked about this before we came back on, maybe we should just be done and not have a second season because maybe it's because we finally shut up that the world started to listen to the t- natural <laughs> shifting tides. But it appears we have that, that, I think we have that type of an effect on the world. That's... Oh, yeah. For the, for the, hey, for the 62 people that have been listening to us, clearly yeah. we're having some we're, impact. We're not different. at all. Not, at, not at all. But we could we could like to think we have that kind of impact. I mean, it's like it's like um, it's like with sports, right? You're sitting there, you know, sometimes thousands of miles away from where the game's being played, and you you go and you uh, you know open up the back door, at, you know, so you can get some air through the slider because you're all sweaty and hot because you're in a, a small room and for some reason you feel like your your heart's palpitating. You're gonna have a heart attack for something you have no control over. And I, I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then all of a sudden, your team like comes out and you know takes a a, a three score lead, and then you know somebody walks into the back of the thing and slides the slammer shut. You're like, no, don't do that. It's been great since the back door was open. And yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's the insanity that, that you and I kind of were thinking. Yeah, superstition. Maybe we had an impact. But I mean, okay, listen. We're going to we're just going to throw them out there because as much shit as they get in terms of like, you know, averages in terms of polling, they're usually not really all that far off. So like 538 right now, they have Democrats at, at this very moment of today with less than five weeks to go before this midterm uh, at, at, with a two thirds chance to 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 keep control of the Senate. And Democrats almost have a one in three chance of holding on to the House, which is like three times the chance they had back when we stopped the show and Dobbs is now kind of taking an effect. Um, you got, you know, just flawed fucking candidates with the GOP, these primaries and the MAGA guys that and gals that won some of these things in the general election in some of these swing States is just look, I mean, let's let, we, we said we were, we would touch on some of these just real, I mean, Herschel Walker in Georgia, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, train wreck, right? Yeah, train wreck. I mean, and, <clears throat> and, and, and he's down by five points. That's it. And he's a fucking, I mean, talking about China stealing good air and bad mm-hmm. air and who needs trees. And I mean, just ass. In the, I mean, he's probably, <clears throat> he's probably the stupidest person to ever run for Senate in the history of America and probably also the most mentally unwell. And that's not something to laugh at because he clearly does have mental illness. He's talked about it. Um, he says he beat it and it's over now. Uh, but I mean, with all that in a state that what appears to be, if they would have just ran somebody moderate, probably would have been a lock for them. Uh, this is who they chose to put forward. And, and it's still close. That's the scary part, but at least there's a line somewhere that most people aren't willing to cross. And that that's the same, right? With, I mean, not the same for the same reason, but JD Vance in Ohio, that's why Tim Ryan's got a shot there in the Senate. Um, you've got a lot of house seats too, Jimmy. So, I, I mean, what, what, what have been, what have been your, I mean, it's almost like people have kind of started to settle into, Hey, the pandemic's ending and you're starting to see in polls that we will, we might talk about a little bit here, but people are starting to feel better about the future prices come down a little bit they pop back up and people are learning to live with that not that it's easy but there's so much crazy shit going on with the gop and the right that those things are having more weight into what people are deciding i mean that the dobbs thing with women's choice and the freedom over their own bodies and the government not telling you what you can and can't do with your own body when it comes to childbirth or you know where they want to go with birth control and things like that i mean that's had a real there's i i suspect there's probably a big wave that we may or may not see coming up in November where people aren't being polled, people who don't take those phone calls to take the polls. But you you just get the sense that there's simmering going on. I mean, you're, I'm looking, I just watched two other, uh, two other speeches that Beto O'Rourke gave the other day, and I, there are people crowded into these huge auditoriums. And these are not typically things you have seen with Democratic candidates. They, they, they tend... With the positions and the realism and the pragmatics that Democrats often take, they're not a raw, raw type of candidacy, maybe outside of Barack Obama, who could just speak so well and people just wanted to hear him talk. But outside of that, you know, the Democratic Party um, has never really had somebody like Obama, who has been somebody who's inspired speeches or crowds to come along. They're just not, you know, it's not that type of party, that raw, raw or gathering people based off of anger or rage or fear. It's just, like I said earlier, that pragmatics. But I mean, throwing it over to you, Jimmy, because I've talked more than enough now. What are, what are your thoughts with how things have shifted with the polls or since we've been yeah, away from I, the show? I agree with your sentiment. I don't think recently in the Democratic Party we've had anybody outside of Obama that has inspired um, America. I mean, I think historically speaking, I think we, you know, we hold the biggies, right? Roosevelt, Kennedy, who was able to inspire. But I mean, it comes down to that, you know, kind of great communicators, not to borrow a phrase from the Republicans, but um, I, I don't think this is, this is, uh, this election, this midterm is going to be candidate driven. This is going to be exactly what Americans have always wanted, which is policy driven, right? Um, most Americans complain that I know anyway, that, you know, if most of these elections come down to, you know, personality, you know, assassinations, uh, dirty politics, you know, who's worse, than the other person, basically, the the lesser of two evils. And I think, you know, there's an old adage of care, careful what you wish for. Um, I think in this midterm, we're actually going to see, you know, policy will out. You know, I think since Dobbs, um, since, well, the Supreme Court really put this back into play for the Democrats, but they did so at the bidding of the Republican Party, you know, right. um, abortion, guns, um, you know, I think Americans are tired of the school shootings. They're tired of seeing, you know, children being slaughtered, frankly. Yeah. Um, as, um, as for the abortion thing, and I know this sounds ironic if someone doesn't agree with the, you know, agency uh, that women have over their own bodies of, about slaughtering, you know, um, if you're one of those people that I've watched you a long time ago. But I will say that this midterm is going to be driven by the pros and cons of what you think about where you think America should go in terms of some of these big structural things. I mean, I don't think that we can, we can gloss over the fact that we've had since the 1970s, you know, 
women have had agency over their own bodies without question, right? And all right. of a sudden, with the stroke of a, of, of, a, of a pen, you know, they no longer have that. And I think 26 states, if I'm not mistaken, and it's good, that's only going to grow probably. Uh, you'll see some, if not, you know, total bans, you're going to see some, you know, bans on, or, or, you know, you'll see a total ban unless you're in a reasonable state where it's in, you know, in cases of rape and incest. Um, that's a huge fundamental shift. And I think the American people, if the, if the numbers are true, Zach, right. Um, right. in terms of, of, of how many new voters are being registered, especially amongst young women. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, um, during our break, um, that could change the political landscape. And those people aren't just registering to vote because they've just suddenly found their, their civic duty. They're, 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 they're registering to vote because they are, their rights uh, in their perception, maybe rightfully so, maybe not. I, I mean, that's not for, for us to decide here. It, they're under direct threat. So I think that you're going to see a policy-driven midterm, and I think that's what the, gave the Democrats new life in this midterm cycle. They were dead in the water. They should have been. Maybe, I'm not saying they should have been. I'm just saying how things have, have shaped out traditionally in the political tradition in the United States you know, inflation being this high, um, gas prices being high, you know, that's part of inflation, but that's always kind of talked about separately. Um, you know, rents, mortgages going through the roof, the Fed, you know, we, we haven't even talked about what the Fed is, has been doing to um, to slow the or de-inflate de the economy, which looks like it's not good, right, for the common worker. You know, uh, this should have been handed on a plate to the Republican uh, Party, but they, they got greedy, you know, um, and I think that we're actually going to see a policy-driven midterm. And, and I don't think we've seen that before in this country, at least not since I've been alive. Um, and I think it's, there's no way of telling how it's going to shake out because I don't think the polls are going to accurate, accurately reflect that. You know, what yeah. people are actually thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think, and I think, you know, I would just say that I think what, what you're getting at is yeah, it's not that the Republicans should win because the Democrats have been so horrible. We've mm -hmm. been talking about and breaking these things down, the policy decisions under the Biden administration, uh, some of the really important things that have happened. But I think what you're saying is based off of the polling we've seen up until we, we finished our first season, Americans just didn't seem to there wasn't registering with them. They, they weren't right. connecting with it. And and when you look at things like inflation and right now. You look at what's happening worldwide. If you look at the statistical charts and the health of the economies, although we're struggling, but kind of pushing through this, I mean, right, September, yet again, another month of a quarter of a million jobs added more than they anticipated. So our, our economy and the need to add jobs and for this thing to keep chugging along keeps breaking what the expectation is, despite what the Fed's trying to do, which we did a three part series on inflation. You and I both believe that Powell's taking the wrong approach. This he's treating it like the inflation of the '60s and '70s, and as we covered in our third episode of the inflation, where we looked at why we have inflation now, it is not the same reason. But he's trying to go to old tricks to deal with it, and that's a mistake. well. Can I interject something here? I think the, yeah, yeah. the I think what they did in the '60s and '70s was incorrect as well. That's what of I'm course. saying. It's like yeah. you know, I mean, if, if it wasn't, it wouldn't have lasted until like the 1980s. You know what right. I mean? Until the, you know, and, and broke in the '90s. I think. I don't think we realize just how ass backwards we are here. And I don't want to get into it because we don't want to relitigate our inflation story, but it's a pretty sad thing. It's a pretty sad testament when you have the, the head of the Federal Reserve and various officers within the Federal Reserve um, going out publicly saying that, you know, we'd be better off without 5 million jobs. Um, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that the job report this last month that we got the September job or is it August jobs report that we got September, September, September job report that we got. It's too good. Right. That's that runs contrary to what most people in America think, because most people in America, contrary to what a lot of the Republican candidates this, this time around were saying, most people in America work and they work for their money and they work fucking hard for their money. And what we're hearing from the feds and what we're hearing from Wall Street is that we're just making too much money as American workers because we have some leverage because, you know, there's been some monumental labor shifts. Um, I don't know anybody <laughs> in America that's making too much money right now. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not keeping up with inflation. And if that were the case, and I would urge anybody 
Um, and I'm not trying to push push like a single ideological maneuver here. All I'm just trying to say is like, look at Robert Reich and you can go to YouTube and you look him up and he's testified before Congress. He's um, a former labor um, secretary under Clinton. He has a really good approach to this. And it's something that will never get passed in a, an election year. And I'm hoping that the Democrats and I think Biden might be signaling this by probably shedding Janet Yellen after the midterms if things go right. Um, and that could be a mutual, you know, disagreement between Yellen and, 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 um, and the president. I don't know, but she was all for these, these interest rates hikes. And, um, that's not really, I mean, as a president, you don't want to sit there and say, yeah, it's a great thing. We've lost a million jobs this month. That doesn't play well with any base. And it, and it certainly doesn't play well with, with, um, you know, with the American worker. And this is a time when, you know, the Democrats and Republicans are fighting over the American worker. Right. The people who actually break their fucking backs. So I just I think I think, you know, that's where things can get pretty muddy for the Democrats moving forward. But I mean, I, and I think I've said this in the past. It's like we're, we're getting to an election cycle where we're going to have to determine. And it's sick that we have to say this, like what's more important, right? Um, inflation or, you know, women's agencies over their own bodies, um, yeah. some common sense gun control getting elected, you know. These are this is framing up to be this type of an election. And we'll, we'll see what the American people choose. Well, yeah. And I and I and, you know, just and we've said this before. It's not a choice. The inflation thing right. is being handled. And I go back to what I said. It's not something that's just going to this isn't a Hollywood movie. And, and Americans seem to have gotten to a point where they expect Hollywood endings or things to play out like they do in Hollywood in a movie. And that's not real life. Uh, things right. are painful and they're slow and they take time. But I go back. I go back again. We are head and shoulders above every other first world nation in terms of dealing with this economy right now. And that is completely due to the policies that have been put in place by the current administration, the number of things that they've done. Yes. Does it hurt? Well, and, and also, uh, also the dollar, also the dollar, <laughs> they got yeah. to the, dollar. the stronger yeah. dollar is the weaker everybody else it becomes. It's just, right. it's the petrodollar. I mean, it's just right. the way it works. But that, like, like, that's the point. There's outside forces and we could be where England is, which is just in an economic free fall. Uh, and what are yeah. they doing? They are making, yeah, <clears throat> the conservative party in England is cutting taxes and they're doing everything of trickle down economics and they are in a free fall tailspin. Well, if you go all the way back, taxes. you go, you go all the way back to our, 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 our most popular episode, which by far more plays than the other one, the, our second episode from the first season, it's the economy stupid, uh -huh. you know, go listen, go listen to that one. And, Learn about Mariner Eccles and what you do when you're faced with economic, the, the, the prospect of a recession or a depression, what policies you put in place and cutting taxes and cutting spending is, is not one of them. Um, no, austerity, austerity measures didn't work in 08 and they're not going to work in 2022. Yeah, they're just they, didn't work, and, they didn't work through and, all the 1920s either. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, yeah. so you're looking at it going, okay, like, and, and, and you're right. I mean, if you were to dig into this issue, then, then it's not as easy as handing this election off to the Republicans just because there was inflation. I mean, we have to really look at policy because we wouldn't have a show if we didn't, right? It'd just right, be too right. big to talk But at the end of the day, and we go back to some of the things that we've already talked about again on our break, and anybody can see this, and they're probably seeing this in real time. If you're listening to this, it probably means you're keyed in anyway, um, at least to some point. Look where policies are coming from, or at least policy initiatives being placed before you and being being recommended by certain candidates I, I, we have a lot of these trump republicans who are running who are literally running on whether or not the election was stolen in 2022 yeah and and, and that that goes to your point right we've been talking about this we've been shouting from the rooftops well actually we're not that emotional typically we we tend to like are trying to analyze and say hey, maybe you should be thinking about this question, right? We look at our, some of our episodes from the first season. Our the emotions go from even kill to depression. Right, right, right. But like, you know, the company you keep, right? Where we're talking about, look mm -hmm. who's in the room with you. Who are the people that are voting the same way you do? Maybe that should tell you something. We looked at party platforms. Are the lack thereof for the GOP? Maybe that should tell you something. We looked at the party bases. What do they want for this country? The, the culture wars, the, you know, reversing Roe v. Wade, maybe that should tell you something. So while we're dealing with very real issues with adults in the room that aren't coming out every day and saying, I solved it, I fixed it all, I'm the greatest in the world, no problem here, the, uh, the, the, the opposition to this is, you know, 
control, you know, it, it's control women's health choices. It's possibly, you know, make, you know, gay marriage illegal, access to the pill illegal, and a slew of other things and the culture as they want to, controlling what teachers can and can't say so that people don't have to feel bad and pretending that racism didn't exist in our history. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's a whole slew of things. Yeah. But anyway. the, conservative, the conservative philosophy really screwed up when they actually thought that they could win the culture wars, right? right. Those, are, those were wedge issues never meant to be won. They were meant right. to be test of who you were on the political spectrum. If right. you were anti-abortion, chances are you were going to be a Republican, even though we, knew a, we know a slew of Catholic Democrats who are anti-abortion, but they're willing to forego that particular social issue to get other things done that are more in line with their political beliefs and have the personal belief, but not carried out publicly, right? I think we could say that Joe Biden, being a staunch Catholic, is probably individually not for abortion, but is not willing to basically take his religion to the bully pulpit of the presidency and say, yeah, you know, I know I'm a Democrat and I'm a Catholic and I'm against this, but everybody should be against it because I'm the fearless leader. That's just not the way democracies work. And I understand that we're a representative democracy, but not one person gets to choose, you know, the agency over another human being. I think we fought wars over that. We've had social movements over that. And yeah. I think that's where we're at. And I think that's where this, this election cycle has been pretty tempered, to be honest with you, uh, in comparison, right? Because all I know is if somebody's coming after my shit and my rights, man, I'm going to be fucking pissed. And right. I got it up to the ladies um that you know they took to the streets for you know for for a moment but they've gotten themselves pretty fucking organized and i'm not saying that as a mansplainer i'm saying that truly as somebody who is in awe of getting young women especially young women you know registered and getting them informed that they're they're coming for you they're not i mean you know the 60 year olds the 50 year olds and man their race is almost ran but to get some of these younger kids and, and to see some of the, the ladies that I'm seeing who are on podcasts um, and, and, and some of the messaging that they have is it's fucking fantastic, dude. And I, and, and never, never say that an emotion that, that, that women on this particular issue are emotional. They are fucking calculated and they're, yeah. they're, they're playing it fucking right. And I just hope it pays dividends for us. Um, you know, and for, cause they're, they're, they're really carrying the weight of the country on their shoulders. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, but, Becomes democracy and putting country ahead of party it, it it relies on all of this and so i think you and i you know to wrap it up with a bone nicely we're just you know shocked that that americans finally came along they just needed a little bit more time to start seeing and worrying about the extremism and those other things and for it to have more weight and to see that we were coming out of things and that things were actually better getting better than they were worse you know, back when this whole yeah. thing started. So well, also extremism gaining some getting some ground, right? We, well, we've yeah. always had fanaticism and extremism, but we've never acted on it. And this is really like the Dobbs decision is really, it's really kind of like, I mean, dude, I, I'm going to say this one more time. I've said it probably a million times. Dude, we had a Supreme Court justice quote, a witch hunter. Yeah. In 2022. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, that, that's what it comes down to is looking historically the GOP thought, regardless of how extreme we are, the type of candidates we're putting out from these primaries. They're going to vote for us because they have no... Yeah, it's, it's midterms. We always... The opposite party always rolls up on midterms. And then they started they started counting their eggs before they hatched and actually doing these extreme things before, before they were in power to be able to control the windfall from that. And, and it's not like democracy didn't give them a chance. They didn't... It, democracy... A lot of talk about off-ramps now with Ukraine and all yeah. that situation, but democracy, our system gave the conservatives in this country an off ramp, a Trump conservative in this country off ramps. I mean, you look at Liz Cheney, you look at uh, some of the people who are moderate Republicans. I, I mean, we just found out this week, Ben Sass is gone, right? He's yeah, that's, that was, that was crazy, but I'm also not surprised. I'm not surprised. It's a big loss for moderate Republicanism, yeah. if you will. Yeah. But we get everybody gave these guys a chance. I mean, most of these races weren't just between two Trump people. They were, you know, a lot of these these races were against a Trump conservative and a moderate conservative. And it seemed like the Republicans every time, or at least most of the time, chose the Trump fucking conservative. Well, but, but the difference we will say this: the difference this time, though, is that when those Trump Republicans won in those primaries, for the most part, 
they won with like 51 to 49 or 52 to 48. It was close for sure. It was close. So, but and, and, and like we saw, and we, and, and I would be, I would be remiss if we didn't add this. Look at what happened in the special election in Alaska. You currently have a Democrat representing the one house seat in Alaska because it was ranked choice and enough of the establishment Republican voters chose to either sit out and not vote for the Trump back Sarah Palin or actually mm-hmm. gave their vote to the Democrat for their second choice so that she won when it was all said and done and by right. like three or four points. And right. so that's another thing that we have to see how that plays out come this midterm. But we'll see, you know, when that's all said and done, the way it falls, what it really is going to come down to is whether enough women are impassioned about the reversal of Roe v. Wade and are going to vote, you know, basically that's the, the spear tip of their vote. And are young people going to show up because they realize that this party, this one party has gone to this extreme and is now going after civil liberties and actually taking away things that have been precedent and law for 50 plus years. And I'll say this, typically people under the age of 30, only one out of every 10 votes in an election. If just two out of 10 come vote in this election and vote against the GOP, it'll be a wipeout. But yeah, that's how, can you, that's can, how- you, can, you, can you get two out of 10? And that's, and that's sad to even say that, that, that this is their future. The youth keep talking about like, Hey, I want politics to represent me, but they do not vote. Yeah. Yeah. Which is okay. another dangerous, it's, an, it's another danger, dangerous thing about trying to muddy election integrity. Right. Right. So it's only going to catch fire. So we wanted to just throw this in there real quick um, in the coming episodes. And we're hoping to squeeze in three here before the, uh, before the, the midterms pop up. Um, we're going to be doing uh, basically a focus of the next three episodes on the midterm races. We're obviously going to look at the Senate seats that are battlegrounds, Nevada, uh, Georgia, uh, Arizona, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Wisconsin, um, even Ohio's in the mix. So we'll be looking at those Senate races, but we're also going to be looking at House races. And currently right now, whether it's Cook Political or 538, you typically have about 250 seat, 215 seats that are leaning Republican or are safe and 208 seats that are leaning Democrat um, or safe. Some of those could be hacked away at but there are 12 toss-up seats. We're going to look at the leans for both of them. So like lean right would be California 45 or Colorado 8, New York 20, um, 22. We'll, there's more than that. We'll go into detail about who's running and kind of what they're, what they're running on. Uh, lean Democrats would be like Oregon 6, Illinois 17, uh, Maryland 6. Again, there's more, but we'll go on that. Toss-ups, California 27 and 22, uh, Oregon 5, Iowa 3, Kansas 3, Arizona 2. There's 12 of those. So we'll be looking at those 20 or so, I think it's about 20 or 24 or so seats that are really ripe for the pickings that could kind of go either way. And that and those Senate seats that we mentioned are the ones that we're going to be looking at. We're going to try and break down. I think about, um, you know, giving what, given what we have, probably about six to eight of these races every time we sit down and just spend like 10 or 15 minutes uh, on each of them talking about who the candidates are kind of what their main platform and what they're about. And just so that you guys know who are listening, kind of where the battle is going to be fought and won in terms of who controls either of those chambers uh, come come November 8th. Okay, dude, um, we should wrap up this uh, show by flipping over to Ukraine and updating because a whole bunch of shit has happened. Not much There's- is going on. It's all good. Uh, Russia invaded Ukraine. Let's let's call this quit, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, since we've been off the air, uh, now uh, we we haven't done anything. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have the gall to be like, oh, oh, we get to get we get to take credit because we said. But I think you know, I think if there were people who listened to our show and our Ukraine updates, they probably were like, man, Zach and James. James likes the more political side of the, all that stuff, but Zach sure sounds optimistic at times uh, about the strategic <laughs> situation for the Ukrainians. Well, I just want to say Slava Ukraini, <laughs> and like these guys have, like we've talked about, you know, holding the line, making the Russians pay for every bloody inch, getting trained, getting more weapons that are, you know, with NATO, slowly getting those trained units that have had some real training. Uh, come up to the line so that they have really experienced units getting in there, rotating in. 
And it is starting that we have seen this offensive, this uh, surprise offensive in the Northeast in Kharkiv. Uh, I believe if all of Kharkiv Oblast is not now taken back, it almost is, except for maybe the very northern eastern corner. And the Ukrainians are now pushing into uh, into the Luhansk uh, uh, Oblast. Izium was taken back. Liman was taken back. They're on the outskirts of Kremina and Lyshansk and Severodonetsk, which are we talked about for a while where the Ukrainians were holding out and making the Russians pay, especially in Severodonetsk for, for a long time. Um, they took back swaths of terror. I mean, I, at this point, it's been, it's been uh, I think, over 10,000 square kilometers of territory, at least up in the northeast. And they just keep pushing and the Russians are in real trouble. And then uh, as of last week, uh, they had a major breakthrough in the south and the Kherson front which has been pretty stagnant for a while. And we've been talking about a reporting that Ukraine has been saying, oh, the Southern offensive is coming. It's coming. And people are like, that's not much of an offensive. Well, then they just mm-hmm. broke and they took near a thousand kilometers of square, uh, square kilometer territory uh, on the Northeastern side and are really pushing and threatening. And then Jimmy, what happened just this weekend? <laughs> that was kind of crazy. The bridge. Yes. The Kerch, the bridge yeah. or the Kerch Strait got hit. We, nobody can decide the longest the longest bridge right in Europe, right? Yeah, nobody can decide how it happened. Was it a truck bomb? Was it uh, missiles? Was it detonation uh, on, you know, the the bridge itself, or explosions from underneath? I'm sure this will all be uh, will be you know uh, come to fruition in time, but it, it dropped one of the two uh, traffic lanes into the water, uh, so there's only one lane open, and it it messed up a bunch of uh, of track. Because uh, a train was burning on that track for quite some time on the on the because the bridge has a rail line that goes with it too. Um, this was a big embarrassment for the Russians that the Ukrainians could reach this far. Um, yeah, things have not been going well for the Russians at all. They are sending uh, freshly mobilized. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, let's let's touch on the yeah 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Why don't you get into the political? Well, uh, I'm just going to big thing is obviously. Uh, with Ukraine uh, mounting this uh, offensive, it obviously made Russia change its course domestically, which is pretty much mobilize for war, right? Without saying they were mobilizing for war, without, you know, without really doing it. They scared the shit out of their own population. You still have sh- a shit ton of people still trying to get out of Russia today. Um, did you see that report about 250,000? Russian men are now in Kazakhstan, just Kazakhstan. Yeah, just Kazakhstan. We had a couple who, tr- who sailed to Alaska looking for asylum. Yeah. Uh, this, pa- I think, I think on Thursday or Friday, you know, that was yeah. reported. Um, these folks don't want to fight in this war. You know, um, it shows at the very least. I mean, it, it it penetrates the propaganda machine that Putin has constructed over the last 25, 30 years of of rule, uh, and. You know, kind of, kind of shows blaringly just how unpopular this war is. Now, we know we've talked about this again on our break that, like, you know, it's one thing to be a keyboard warrior, but it's another thing when they stick a Kalashnikov and four rounds in your in your hand and says, "All right, go fight the Ukraine." You know, the Ukraine uh, war. That's, that's not hi- that's, that's not hyper that's not hyperbolic when James says that. Like, there's yeah. actually that's actually what's happening to many of the mobilized guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four rounds, four rounds. Yeah, um, I just read today. Uh, or I was watching the interview with a, a prisoner who was mobilized uh, two weeks ago, trained for two days, and then sent to the northeastern front. And the uh, the Ukrainian unit that was on that front pushed forward to take uh, two settlements. And the uh, 90% of this unit, because most of the original soldiers had been killed or wounded and are long gone from the front or captured, 90% of this unit was a newly mobilized platoon and they surrendered after a minute under fire, the entire platoon. And this guy was uh, one of the guys and he said that the, the platoon got two days of training. There you go. Um, but yeah, it, so obviously because of the, the success that, you, that Ukraine has been having, um, you know, obviously it's, it's made Russia change its course of action. We're seeing, you know, some fierce penetration of, of the, of the propaganda machine. We're seeing some criticism now of Putin and his actions, um, mostly geared towards, ironically, the military. 
um, yeah. the people that you that are going to win this war for you. You're now starting to criticize openly on your on your propaganda shows. Um, it doesn't look well. I'm hearing now. Um, or I'm reading now. I shouldn't say I'm hearing. I don't want to be. I'm hearing a lot of things, um, Zach. Um, <laughs> that um, you know they're starting. I, mean, I think you sent me the the notice, and I started looking online for they're arresting people from the military. Yeah, uh, officer class, and you're like, you, you don't have much of an officer officer class left. A lot yeah. of them have been captured um, in in the conflict, and so it, it's going to be interesting going forward. I think what's scaring most people is yeah. the Friday announcement that, <laughs> and I'm going to say this, and I, and I and I don't want to sound like I'm you know trying to come lately to this, but I think Biden has done a terrific job right in terms of handling this uh, i think what you know what we're what we from are hearing out of, yeah from the get-go what we are hearing out of europe is that he's been a major player of, of getting nato on on track getting nato you know in line to do this thing um not to say that you know he was the, the, the sole architect but he was obviously an american president right exactly what you expect an american president to do in a situation like this right Lee, um but I think his announcement on Friday might have been a misstep on talking about how, you know, if, if Russia, if Russia uses tactical nukes, it's pretty much Armageddon. Um, I think that's has been his sole mistake. And that's a messaging thing, because when I heard that, I'm not going to little I'm not going to lie. I peed a little bit in my pants. I, was yeah, like, I, I, I don't really want my American president saying this right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in there. I, I think I, I wasn't scared any more any on a different level of where maybe my apprehension of where this could go. Right. Because you look at what makes sense. And you and I have talked about this, James, like nothing that Putin has done from, from invading Ukraine has, has made any sense. And every step of escalation, every choice he's made from them has not made any sense militarily. Like sometimes I'm calling you, we're talking and you're just like, but why, dude? And I'm like, I can't answer that. There's no good reason. But I, this is what I think. I think in doing that, I didn't see it as a calculation. I know that scared some people. But what I what I appreciated about it is what is what I think the message he was trying to publicly put out to Putin is, is if you think that you can do this, you can use a tactical nuke and we're going to sit by and go, oh, that's we're not actually going to do something. You're completely wrong. So, but I think they it, already delivered that message. Um, they, they, did, they did, but I think, stuff, you know, in terms of like, I mean, coming out publicly with Petraeus and saying, "Hey, dude, you know, we could we could destroy you within five days. Everything that you have in Ukraine, we could destroy in five days." There was a there like, was they one of the propaganda shows had a, uh, a Russian uh, historian and uh, military professor on, and he and they questioned him about you know. Uh, what and I don't and I don't recall the guy's name. I'm sorry. There's so much stuff coming through, and and I know that's not oh, good yeah. for our show. If we're talking about somebody, we should have their names, and maybe we'll come back and and I'll mention it when we have our next show when we do our Ukraine update. Um, I'll it's, a it's a survey. Yeah, survey. yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, he he basically they they asked him about that. You know what what's the reality? Because you know we'll we'll tell you guys if you're not aware that basically what's been communicated to the Russians or what's being reported is being communicated via Lloyd Austin to Shoigu and uh, who I don't even think is actually in control. I think that switch was made at the top of the MOD today in Russia or this weekend, mm -hmm. but um, other back channels is if you come out with a, uh, it, with a nuclear attack, a uh, tactical nuclear attack in Ukraine, that U S NATO will respond conventionally, meaning no nukes, but will yeah. destroy all of your forces within Ukraine itself and the Black Sea. And they asked this guy, is that even possible? Kind of like that. They couldn't actually do that to us. And this uh, military historian, um, the Russian guy said, the, if, US, if the US and NATO wanted to actually strike at us in response to something like that, he said the Black Sea fleet would cease to exist in half an hour. And of course, they didn't like that. But he said, it, it just is what it is. Yeah. So... So that yeah, we're we're, we're good at war. I mean, that's the one thing. That's the one message I think that we're sending sending Russia is that, I mean, let's let's be honest. I think we've said this before, but our entire, our half of our lives, Zach, was really geared towards a conventional war with Russia, as well as a nuclear Armageddon with Russia. Our entire right? our entire life, we've been ready for that. Yeah, our Cold, military. This is the Cold war this kids. is the yeah. This is the one thing that this is the one conflict 
you know, outside of, you know, actually, no, this is the one conflict that we are probably most prepared for, right? Yeah. Um, and we probably have every fucking scenario in the playbook. And I'm not sitting there thumping my chest going, yeah, rah, 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 America. It's just the reality of just the tactical reality of what we've lived through um, for the for the past 70 years in this country, right? Russia's always been the enemy, right? It's it's always been that guy who's going, that, that, that actor on the international level that was going to upend everything for us. So of course we're ready for this. And of course, like, you know, looking at the battlefield as much as you tell me, and as much as I garner for myself, <clears throat> they're they're just not. I'm not saying they're a paper lion. I'm not saying that at all. But they're just not what we thought they were going to be. I mean, I, and this is where I'm confused. It's like if you were going to invade Ukraine and you were going to li- literally take over another country wholesale. This isn't like Georgia where you're just taking a part of it. You're talking about taking over an entire country. You don't bring enough men. You obviously don't bring enough personnel. You didn't give a shit about supply lines. You, you never, 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 never bothered to plan for this being more than a three-day war. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. I don't get that. Like, you know, I have a lot of friends who've been in the military. Um, a lot of people who, who, who talk to me, it's like about, like, not this situation, but just just overall military tactics. And the one thing that they always say is they prepare for war, but they, pre- they prepare more for when it goes to shit, yeah. right? When it, when it goes belly up, like you have to have a backup plan. There has to be a plan B because if there's not a plan B, there will not be a plan C, right? right. And plan right. A very rarely works out. So right. it's about ingenuity. It's about, you know, the fluidity of, of what the reality on the ground and reacting to that. And again, I'm not a general, so I can't speak to it. But all I know is what I'm looking, what I'm looking at in the papers, what I'm looking at in the nightly news, what I'm looking at it in, and just talking to you. And you go to international sites, and you're really into it. Is they obviously had no plan B, so their plan C and D is fucking over. They don't, they, well, they can't get to it. Well, yeah, and and as and as this war drags on, their army gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker, and the Ukrainian army is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Right, and and so I I guess. I'll just say this um, without nuclear weapon, without a nuclear arsenal, a lot of which is old and antiquated and, and people even question whether some of those, some of those warheads will even still function. Um, well, that, goes, that goes both ways, right? Yeah, I mean, it goes, it goes, it goes both ways. I, so I'm not saying that, but what my point was is outside of the nuclear weapons, they are a paper tiger that, I mean, they, that's, that's the point that the West is trying to make in communicating is you can't even beat Ukraine and we don't have, we are not even giving them all of our best weapons or Mm -hmm. a lot of our best weapons. What do you think will happen if this coalition swoops in on you conventionally in this place, your army will cease to exist probably within a day or two. And yeah, in in the, in in the war zone, like in the, in the the war zone, yeah, they're not talking about responding in Russia proper. And, you know, this is, this is another mistake, you know, Putin, realizing that this was probably these these battlefield failures and these losses were going to continue they have they hold these five day referendums that are a sham and a total joke where most of the population is left the other third now we're finding out in some of the territories that were taken back since the referendum refused to vote so they didn't even vote but they just said these people voted and uh you know 97% 90% so now they I like how elections now, are ran in Russia yeah now they now they've <laughs> said they've annexed Kherson Zaporizhia Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts, but they are losing control of all of those and don't control most of any of those. And so, and they keep losing more and more. And as they talk to Peskov, their, their PR guy, you know, well, where are the administrative lines for this, this new border that you have? And they're like, we well, we've got to, <laughs> we have to talk to locals first and kind of figure out what that looks like. So a lot of people were worried they're going to do this so that they could have nuclear strike capability and say, hey, you're attacking Russia. And that may be one of the reasons. We'll see. But I just don't see. Yeah, well, I think the big reason was so that they could mobilize, right? I mean, that's what we kind of, we were talking about, like, this would give right. them some, it, it gives them no legitimacy to use weapons when you realize that nobody voted in these referendums, or that if they did, it wasn't a lot of people. And 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 there's some people, I think we glossed over the fact that some people had no idea a vote even occurred. Right. I mean, they were they were literally cut off from the world. They had no idea what the fuck was going on. Well, and so how I don't do you, think it. 
So I don't think internationally, like legally speaking, this gives them cover. I think what we found out was this gave them an excuse to mobilize their people for war. And I think furthermore, I think you've told me in, in the past or just recently, is it gave them access to order these guys because they were conscript, right. conscripts, yes. right? So they, they now could go fight overseas because it's technically not overseas or across international borders. They're fighting right. in Russia. Right. So they have to go. So right. this was more of a domestic thing that we saw in Russia just to get more people to the front. Yeah. But, I mean, and it's obviously not even not even in, a, in an organized fashion. I mean, this is like the battle of fucking Leningrad where you're just like, pick up the gun from the guy next to you, dude. There's only one for every three of you or whatever. Right. But, or Stalingrad. but but war has changed. It's modern warfare. And that that tactic's not going to work anymore. And I was just going to no. say, you know, just to reassure that point. Not that this is reassuring because nothing this guy has done has made sense, but it makes no sense to use tactical nukes on what you're claiming is going to be now your own territory, which will then be unlivable for the foreseeable future, at least the next generation. So um, and can I tie off something politically speaking? I just yeah, want to tie yeah, off one thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. obviously, obviously, we had Putin for years pretending to be, you know, a quasi democratic leader. Right. I mean, the early days of Putin, everybody knew what he was and where he was probably going with this as he consolidated power those years that he became the, you know, the president, I think, instead of, the, you know, whatever. The, he became the head of the nation rather than head of state. You know, those years he took off when Mendelev or Monolov, whatever his name was, took over. Yeah. Medvedev took over. And then he comes back and he basically, you know, the mask is off. Right. He is a strong man, authoritarian person. Right. This is who he is. It's the but I just want to. Yes, but I also want to tie this back into domestic politics because we've had a guy now for four years, right? Not now, prior, Trump, tell us that Russia, relations with Russia had to change, that Russia was our friend. They said a lot of good things about him so that we needed to be you know, friendlier and cozier up to the Russians. And I think that you know, this, is, this, this, this goes to domestic politics, right? This goes to what the conservative mantra was under Trump, which is, and we heard this echoed on Fox News practically nightly to the point where we saw Tucker Carlson take to the show or take to the, the, to, to the airwaves saying that he was rooting for Russia during this conflict, right? And then yeah. now comes out and says he's never said that, even though it's right there on the fucking, you know, it's right <laughs> yeah. there on YouTube. You can go yeah. and fucking find it. All I'm trying to say is- Russia's this, winning this, this is, war. This is, this is domestically- who we're dealing with is a is a is a is a conservative part of the conservative element in this country is rather is is seriously rooting for a non-democratic leader to take over a democracy. That's that should just should be telling, not just what's going on domestically with the attacks on civil liberties and civil rights in this country or voting rights in this country, because we haven't we'll get to that, right? Because they might decide before the election even happens what's going to happen to voting rights in this country. Um, talking about the Supreme Court. But you have a, a conservative philosophy in this country that is willing to say on air without any fear of retribution that they are rooting for a strong man. America's number one enemy for fucking 50 years, 60 years, they're rooting for them to take over a democracy. Yeah, That's and, fucking and, disgusting. And, 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 and that, that should tell you, not only are there... Or you not might you might not have any political alignment with them domestically, but now you can look at internationally. These guys aren't strong people internationally. If you're if you're willing to basically root for for Russia, think Russia's going to win the war, and now we're finding out that that's just not the fucking case. Well, and if if you don't think that that has ramifications, it's oh, it's just these talking heads. Nobody listens to them. Yeah, there was just an interview done uh, at the local, the most recent Trump rally in rural Nevada. They interviewed a bunch of people waiting in line. Uh, and they interviewed a woman and she was talking about how Trump is just the most genuine, kindest, greatest person ever. And he's the number one president in the world. And and that she really admires Vladimir Putin as well, too. And he, and behind Trump, she thinks uh, Vladimir Putin is the second greatest president ever to you know rule a country in the world because he is in Ukraine taking down Nazis and destroying secret uh, illegal illegal U.S. biological biochemical weapon labs. This the, the, and, and, I, and I'm just saying that because those are Kremlin talking points and excuses for invading a democracy. The president of Ukraine is Jewish. He's a Jew. His ancestors yeah. suffered under the hands of the Nazis and other brutal regimes 
And going back far enough, probably this part, probably the Tsarist Russia, because Tsarist Russia was oh, for, brutal for to, sure, for sure. But to, to, but but the point the point is is you now have American people believing this, and if that's the type of leaders and politicians you want, and that's what you want us to become, to become an American Russia with a strong man who's like Putin, but here where that it controls everything, and this is we're now believing shit that is just absurd. I, I guess vote for these guys then. If that's what yeah, buckle doing. up, Buckaroo, because the world's going to look a lot different in 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 that in that sense. Because and and the reason why I'm t- trying to tie this off politically is because a lot of people fail to realize, I think, um, that the international level of politics, right the 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 the, the exercise of politics between states, nation states, there is no ruling body for it. There is no. I mean, we, we, we talk about the UN and most powerful countries have completely made the UN, UN into a running joke, right? Where we still have Russia, who's doing something completely illegal, has veto power over us, other nations doing anything about it, right? That's just, it's just flawed. And, and we yeah. need to probably rethink the United Nations. And I'm not saying get rid of it. I'm saying rethink it, make it a little bit more equitable for other nations um, to chime in. All I'm trying to say is, is, um, it's a little muddy, right? Inter- the international level of politics, the the, um, the intercourse between nation states is fucking crazy. And we've had a tradition here of not trusting, you know, prior to the Russian Federation, the Soviets. And, and what we're finding out is with fairly good reason, right? This isn't a, a fabricated, because I hear this a lot from progressives that I know, is that this is a... This is somewhat of a fabricated, fabricated uh, issue that we shouldn't be involved in. We shouldn't be the world's police. But you, you have to be. You have to stand up to this guy because yeah. if you don't, then it's just going to be the dom. And I'm not saying the domino effect like it was in Vietnam. I'm saying literally, he has a list of countries that he wants. No, yeah, this. And, this go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say this. This is our generation's World War II. This is our. This is our Adolf Hitler. This is our moment. So we either make a stand now and stop it before it gets out of hand. And, and it becomes a world war. You already have mass graves in Ukraine. So it's out of hand for these folks. They are fighting yeah. and scrapping and dying every day for their freedom. But if we sit there like Neville Chamberlain and like the people back in the day who used to hold up signs and say, make peace with Hitler. Why not peace with Germany? Um then well, yeah, you're the gonna have a, a, a appeasement didn't work then. It's not gonna work now. Yeah. I know that it's nice to think that diplomacy and doves can take care of everything, but there are times in the world where real evil exists and evil gains control, and and you have to stand up, and you have to stand yeah. up. And and this president and this administration, the one we have now, I can't imagine having done an any better job where we don't have American boots on the ground as of yet. And the fact that Ukraine is not not only survived those first three days, but is winning this war now. And so, of course, Putin is the wild card and what he's willing to do. But we'll see. But but yeah. but yeah. but I mean, best case scenario for us. And yeah, I think really great for you to tie that off domestically, you know, and, and realizing what the other side's all about. Um, so listen. We said we were going to be around forty minutes. We're we're going to end up at about an hour ten. Uh, we always go. Yay, you know, yeah, Some things some things never change at the beginning of the second yeah, season. Not at all. But uh, I don't know, Jimmy. I'm really excited for the the next three shows and doing our midterm specials. And um, we're going to come back next week, uh, maybe via phone again, possibly in person, hopefully. Um, and we're going to take a look at uh, a number of these races and get this get this kicked off in the midterms and see how the balance of power is going to shift or not shift here in, in the States. And then of course we'll report on any big international news in Ukraine as well. Um, but yeah. Uh, should we start, should we start, should we start uh, screaming from the mountaintop vote? Please yeah, vote. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll have it. We'll have a session for the, the last five minutes. I think of all those where we're like, go vote, get out and vote. Please yeah, just vote. Yeah, vote yeah. You know, just I'm like, just going to say it every time. Just go out and vote guys. I know midterms are boring uh, or, if you're not into this shit, I mean, for us, it's like the Super Bowl, but it's, it's, you know, it's boring. It's not fun. It's not national. It's literally, and vote down ticket, you know, really learn your ballot. Yeah. You're going to be voting for judges and in California, at least you're going to be voting for state initiatives. Those are important. 
that's going to affect your everyday life. So I'm just going to say it up until we actually get to November 8th. Go out and fucking vote. Just hey, do your civic duty and fucking vote. I, I have to say this, though, real because I just think it's funny. Uh, Anchor, James, has been yes. sending me emails profusely at a rapid pace the last uh-huh. like four or five days. And all the yeah. emails are like, your listeners are your listeners are continuing to listen to your voice. We want we want you to have something new to say. Please talk to us. Start your next show. They're very worried that we've walked away on this break, my friend. You know, they, they we're, we're such a we're such a power. We, we bring in so much to anchor that they're just like, no, please start the second season. They're so caring. They're so caring. Yeah. Their algorithms, yeah. algorithms are so caring. Yeah, I know they are. Aren't they great? Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I love those them. fucking things. Yeah, <laughs> they really care about what. Yeah, they really care about it, Zach. I, yeah, I, I know. I, I know. It's great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. it's been great to be back. We'll uh, catch you guys next week uh, with the beginning of our midterm special series. Uh, Jimmy, take care. Hey, buddy. stay salty. Stay salty and don't get tested. All right. <laughs> take care, guys. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.